Hello, and welcome back to American Political Paradise. Today, I'm going to be talking about how Senator Leahy of Vermont, I believe, Vermont, I think it is Vermont, uh, announces he will not be seeking to be re-elected in the United States Senate in the 2022 midterms. So let's get, let's first get to the video, and then I will talk about a political article, and then I'll get into the the history of the president pro temper, pro temp, pro temper of the United States Senate, which is a rule that the United States Senate features or has. And I'll talk about the history. I'll talk about many aspects of it and the history behind it, because essentially he is the president pro temper of the Senate within the Senate, and plays a, a, and he plays a, a very important role within as being President pro temp, pro, pro temper for the President to line succession, for all the, all the, uh, all the rules of the Senate and how the Senate functions. I'm proud to be Vermont's longest serving senator. And while I will continue to serve Vermont, Marcel and I have reached a conclusion. It is time to put down the gavel. It is time to pass the torch to the next Vermonter who carry on this work for a great state. It's time to come home. So I will forever carry with me the enduring bond with my fellow Vermonters, whose common sense and goodness are what I strive to match as their representative. Okay, so let's get to the political article. It says here, Leahy, their senior senator will retire. The 81-year-old Democrat, Democrat announced Monday that he would not return for ninth term. It says here, Senator Patrick Leahy, the president pro temper of the Senate and longest serving member in the chamber, won't seek, won't seek re-election next year, concluding his final term in the Senate after nearly five decades. Leahy, 81, who's 81 years old, announced Monday that he would not run for ninth term at the state capitol in Montepello, Montepello, the same location where he announced his first Senate run at age 33. If that tells you, I mean, that's just crazy to think about how when he uh, how the same location where he announced his first Senate run at age 33. Now, he, five, nearly five decades ago. Well, the veteran, well, the veteran Democratic Senator, Senator signaled earlier this year that he might seek re-election. His advanced age in a January hospita hospitalization led to speculation that he would step down when his current term ends. Leahy's retirement 
though is unlikely to affect the 2022 Senate re election calculus, despite the GOP's momentum and other blue states leading into midterms. President Joe Biden won from by wider margin than any other state in 2020 when he defeated Donald Trump there by 35 percentage points. First elected in the post-Watergate midterms in 1974, after serving as Chittenden County State's attorney, Leahy's tenure spanned eight presidents and leaves him as for now the only Democrat ever elected to the only Democrat ever elected to the state Senate from Vermont. I mean, he, so he was elected in 1974 at the age of 33, and he's retiring. He's not. He's uh, retiring from the United States Senate at eight, age 81. That shows you how risky he, and that he actually wants to be proud of his work and legacy. At the same time, he's trying to say, you know what? Maybe it's, it it is time for me to put down the gravel or gravel for from. From Congress and retire and hopefully live a good rest of his life as he has had from many years in Congress from prob from all of his years in the Senate, United States Senate. Quote, it is time to put down the gavel. It is time to patch a torch to the next Vermonter. He will carry on this work for a great state. Leahy Unquote, said, Leahy said Monday in front of a seated crowd of masked supporters. It is time to come home. Leahy described the pride he felt his first months in the Senate as the youngest member of the Senate's Armed Services Committee, casting multiple votes against reauthorizing involvement in the endless war in Vietnam. The war was popular in Vermont, Leahy said, but he still cast aside votes against reauthorization. I learned, quote, I learned early in my career that good, good judgment and hard work are exactly what Vermonters expect from representatives, he said. Just 34 years old when he joined the Senate. Lee won his first two elections nearly before cruising comfortably in every election since 1986. During his tenure, Lee served as chair of the Agriculture, Judiciary, and Appropriations Committees, taking the gavel at at, at approach, appropriations when Democrats won back the control of the Senate earlier this year. Vermont has elected a Republican to the Senate since Jim Jeffords in 1988, though Jeffords later became an independent and began, began caucusing with Democrats. Republican Governor Phil, Phil Scott, a popular moderate who would have been form, formidable candidate for the open Senate seat said earlier this year he is not interested in running for Senate. So that takes him away. I mean, who else we're going to have to see about any Vermont state senator or or House representative, Vermont state representative or something, or somebody maybe, other than the Republican government for Scott. A spokesperson for the governor confirmed Monday that he that, that was still the case, saying Scott has been clear that he is not running for the United States Senate next year.
Quote, this is a blue state, said Justin Bereski, a Democratic strategist and former senior advisor of a Democratic senatorial campaign committee. This is in no this in no way changes the trajectory of Senate map, unlike the retirements on the Republican side in states like Pennsylvania and Ohio and otherwise. Monday's announcement was set up for first open Senate election in Vermont since 2006, when then-Rep <laughs> Bernie Sanders, independent of Vermont, and you may know of Bernie Sanders as a socialist, as someone as independent, but he loves to talk about socialism, so I, which is crazy to think that in America we have people that, that have different opinions, but they have, but they love to talk about socialism when socialism hasn't worked out great in like countries like Fend- 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 Venezuela and other countries, maybe Brazil, or I don't know, I can't think of all the countries, but for some countries like such as. Venezuela. But anyway, when it says Monday's retirement announcement was set up the first open Senate election in Vermont since 2006, when then Rep. Bernie Sanders, independent of Vermont, first ran and won her seat. In a speech Monday, Leahy made refer- reference to remarkable Rep. Peter Welch, who replaced Sanders in the House 15 years ago and could be Democrats' candidate to replace Leahy next year. Leahy is in his second stint as President Pro Temper of the Senate, putting him third in line of president, presidential secession. Senator, Senator, Senator Dianne Dian Feinstein of California, who was first, who was first, first elected 17 years after Leahy, is next as next longest tenured Democrat in the chamber, followed by Senator Patty Murray of Washington. When he relinquishes the Appropriations Committee gavel, Murray is in the, is in the poor position to succeed him as a panel's top Democrat. Murray of, of Washington chairs the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, and she moves to Appropriations it could set off several other chess switches gavels. If Leahy serves out for the rest of his term, he would become the third longest serving senator of all time, trailing all only former senators Robert Byrd, Democrat of West Virginia, and Daniel Nuu, a Democrat of Hawaii. Just, oh my god, it's probably crazy to think about he's he become the third longest ever senator of all time, trailing only two other f- former senators. Lee's love of photography is well known, and he often takes photographs of journalists and others ga- gathered in Capitol Towers. He's an awesome and avowed Batman fan, has made cameras in several caped crusader films. So now we're gonna be talking about uh wanna see what else. Let's go to Wikipedia first. So 
So now I want to talk about the most important role that Le Patrick Leahy, a senator from Vermont, has since the beginning of of 2021 when the 117th Congress came to meet. And they chose him as for president pro temper, even though the United States Senate is tied at 50-50. Okay. So it's for official title of what a senator, a senator practically his role that he has in this United States Senate is called it's often referred to as the present pro temper of the United States Senate, or often sh shortened to President Pro Tem. It's the second highest ranking official of the United States Senate. Article one. Section 3 of the United States Con Con Constitution provides the Vice President of the United States as the President or Senate, despite not being a Senator, and mandates that Senate, the Senate must choose a President pro temper to act as Vice President's absence. Unlike the Vice President, the President pro temper is an elected member of the Senate, able to speak or vote on any issue. Selected by the Senator at large, by the Senate at large, usually brought by a resolution which is adopted by unanimous consent without a formal vote, the President pro temper has enjoyed many privilege, privileges and some limited powers. During the Vice President's, president's absence, the President pro temper is empowered to preside over Senate, Senate sessions except when necessary or to highlight important folks. Except when necessary or to highlight important folks, the vice president and the president pro temper rarely preside. The duty of presiding officer is rotated among junior United States senators of the majority party to give them experience in parliamentary procedure, which means they're, they're like, uh, like, for example, uh, some of the ever junior senators, like the newcomers, or certain senators from other states, are dem within the same party of the president pro temp president pro temper. Trying to think of some, but yeah, you get your you get this concept so far. I, I would hope, but it says here on Wikipedia, since nineteen. Since, 19, since 1890, the most senior United States Senator in the majority party has generally been chosen to be President pro temper and holds for office continuously until the election of another. This tradition has been observed without interruption since 1949. Since the enactment of the current Presidential Secession Act in 1947, 1947, the president pro temper is third in the line of succession to a presidency. After the vice president and the speaker of the House of Representatives and the head of the Secretary of State. The current president pro temper, as I've already mentioned, but just to repeat again, the current president pro temper of the United States Senate is Patrick Leahy of Vermont. He was sworn in on January, January 20th 2021, 117th Congress, when the Democratic Party gained control of the Senate. 
by only by gaining two net seats in the Vertide. He previously held a position from 2012 to 2015. So appointer for United States Senate for term length at the pleasure of Senate and until another is elected or their term of office as Senate Senator aspires. Formation. This office was for, was formed formed on March fourth, seventeen eighty nine. The first holder at to hold the position of president pro tempore was John Langdon Langdon. Says here on Wikipedia, although the position in, is in some ways anomalous to speak of House of Representatives. The power of a president pro tempore is are for, the powers of the president pro tempore are far are far more limited. In the Senate, the most power rests with the majority leader, and the other individual senators. But as the chamber's presiding officer, the president pro tempore is authorized to perform certain duties in the absence of the vice president, including ruling on points of order. Which I guess I just looked up and it says in parliamentary procedure a point of order occurs when someone when someone draws attention to rules rules violation in the meaning of deliberative assembly. Let's see what it was that. Okay, additionally under the twenty fifth amendment to the constitution, the president pro tempore and a speaker are the two Authorities to whom for declarations must be transmitted that the president is unable to form before perform the duties of the office or is able or is able to assume doing so. The president pro tempore is third in the line's president succession, following for vice president and the speaker. And the consequence and consequently is one of the few members of Congress entitled to a full a full time security detail. I actually did not know that because you think about it, most members of Congress, no matter what if they're senior or highly ranked in United States Congress or have a higher up position in Congress, most of them have have to. Like majority leader, speaker house, I think maybe minority leader in Senate and maybe House, I would assume. And Speaker House and like some of like the Secretary of the uh, Senate and House maybe have security detail, but this is interesting how the vice the the president pro temper, though the third in the line of presidential succession, following for vice president and the speaker, and consequently is one of a few members of Congress entitled. Wait, what? Oh, I guess they are entitled to a full-time security teacher. Okay. So, the, the present pro temper is entitled to a full-time security detail. What, during the tenure, I would, I would assume. Additional duties include appointment affairs, congressional officers, Certain commissions, advisory boards, 
in committees and joint supervision of the Congressional Paid School. The President's pro temper is the designated legal receipt recipient of various reports to the Senate, including War Powers Act reports under which they jointly with Speaker may require the President to call, to call Congress back into, to intercession. The office holder is an ex officio member of various boards and commissions. While the, with the Secretary and, Sar- and Sa- Sergeant-at-Arms, the President pro temper maintains order in the Senate partitions of the Capitol and Senate bills. And then I'm going to get into the history of how the position was established. Mm, let's see. And then I might go into the Senate, United States Senate history according to them. It's a very different version of this, but let's get into it with Wikipedia first. Okay, so the history, the history according to Wikipedia of the President Pro Tempore is the position was established and the Office of President Pro Tempore was established by the Constitution of the United States in 1789. And between 1792 and 1866, the President Pro Tempore was second in line of presidential succession, following for Vice President and proceeding for Speaker. Through 1891, though, the President Pro Tempore was appointed on intermittent basis only. When the Vice President was not present to preside over Senate or at the adjournment of the session of Congress, the first President Pro Tempore, John Langdon, was elected on April 6, 1789, back when Congress must have had a different date for meeting together with Congress, I'm assuming, serving four separate terms between 1789 and 1793. More than 12 senators ha- held the office during the Senate's first decade, presiding over sen- sessions, signing legislations, and performing routine administrative tasks. When, vice, when the office of Whenever the, vice, the office of the vice presidency was vacant, as there was in 10 occasions between 1812 and 1889, the office garnered heightened importance. Although he did not, Don Langdon did not assume the vice presidency, the president pro tempore stood next in line for the presidency. Before the ratification of the 25th Amendment in 1967, if vacancy in the vice presidency could be filled only by regular election. Several individuals who served during these vacancies were referred to informally as acting vice president. On three occasions occasions during the 19th 19th century, the Senate was was without both a, a president and a present pro temper. The first one was from July 9th to July 9th, July, July 9th to July 11th, 1850, following Millard Fillmore's accession, accession 
to the presidency upon the death of Zachary Taylor until William R. King was elected president pro tempore in the Senate. And then from September 19th to, to October 10th, 1881, following Chester Arthur's accession to the presidency upon the death of James A. Garfield until Thomas F. Bayard was led to president pro tempore. And then from November 25th to December 7th, 1885, following the death of Vice President Thomas A. Hendricks until John Sherman was elected President Pro Temper of the United States Senate. Senate. When President Andrew Johnson, who had no Vice President, was impeached and tried in 1868, Senate President Pro Benjamin Franklin Wade was next in line to presidency. Wade's radicalism in thought and met by many historians to be a major reason why the Senate, which did not want to see Wade in the White House, acquitted Johnson. The Vice President Henry Wilson died on November 22, 1875. Senator Thomas W. Ferry, being present to pro temper of the Senate was next in line presidential secession, and remained so in, until, night, until March 4, 1877. As acting president of the Senate, he presided over the 1876 impeachment trial of the U.S. Secretary of War, William Bell Knapp. In the meetings of the Electoral Commission created by Congress to resolve the disputed 1876 presidential election, Still, President Pro Temper at that time, he would have temporarily, temporarily became the acting president and ha- had the elect- Electoral College vote not been certified by March 4, 1877. Congress certified, though Congress certified Rafa B. Hayes as winner of the Electoral College vote on March 2nd. The President Pro Temper and the Speaker of House were removed from the presidential line of secession in 1866, 1886. Both were restored to the presidential line of secession in 1947, though, though this time with the president pro tempore the speaker. William P. Fry served as president pro tempore from 1896 to 1911, the 54th through the 62nd Congress. Which that's, that's many congresses if you think about it. 54th through the 62nd Congress, a tenure longer than anyone else. He resigned from the position due to ill health shortly before his death. Electing his successor, successor proved difficult as Senate Republicans, as Senate Republicans then in majority, were split between progressive and conservative factions each promoting its own candidate. Likewise, Democrats proposed their own candidate. As a, as a result of the, this three-way split, no individual received a majority vote. It took four months to, for a compromised solution to emerge. Democrat August, Augustus Bacon served for a single day, August 4th, August 14th, I mean, 1911. 
during the vice president's absence. Thereafter, Bacon and four Republicans, Charles, Charles Curtis, Jacob Galanger, Harley, Henry, Cabert, Large, Large, and Franklin, but Wendy Gee alternated as President Pro Temper for the remainder of the Congress. And then the Mar era in January 1945 was sunk by the 79th Congress elected Kenneth McKiller, who at the time was the senator with the longest continuous service to be President Pro Temper. Since then, it has been customary for a majority party senior member to hold this position. Arthur Vandenberg from nineteen from nineteen forty seven to nineteen forty nine was the long was the last president pro temper to not to be the senior member of the majority party. Aside from the single day in 19, in December nineteen eighty, recorded Milton Young, who was who was the retiring senior member of the Republican Party. Which could ha- which could hold the majority in, in the incoming 97th Congress, which already happened way back. But anyway, the three presidents pro temper have gone on to become have, have gone on to be have gone on to be elected for, to the office of vice president. John Tyler, William R. Keene, and Charles Curtis, of whom Tyler is the only one to become present, assuming for office in April 1840, 1841, upon the death of William Henry Harrison. And then related officials, acting present pro temper, it says here on Wikipedia, while the present pro temper does have other official duties, the holders of the office have, like the vice president, over time ceased presiding over the Senate on a daily basis, owing to the mundane and ceremonial nature of the position. Furthermore, as the president pro tempore is usually the, as is usually the most senior senator of the majority party, they most likely also chair a major major Senate committee and has other significant demands on their time. Therefore, the present pro temper has less time now than in the past to preside over daily or Senate. Instead, junior senators from the majority party are designated acting present pro temper to preside over Senate. This allows junior senators to learn proper parliamentary procedure. The acting present pro temper is usually reappointed daily by the present pro temper. Permanent acting present pro temper. Sublime. In June 1963, because of the illness of present pro temper, Carl Hayden Lee Metcalf was designated permanent acting present pro temper. No term was imposed on this designation. So Metcalf retained it in until he died in office in 1978. Deputy President Pro Temper, though, for ceremony post a Deputy President Pro Temper was created for Hubert Humphrey, a former Vice President in 1977, following his, his losing bid to become the Senate Majority Leader. 
The Senate resolution creating the post stated that any former president or former vice president serving in the Senate would be entitled to this position. However, since Humphrey, however, since Humphrey, none have served. However, since none, since Humphrey, none have served as deputy president pro temper. George J. Mitchell was elected deputy president pro temper in 1987 because of the illness of president pro temper John C. Stennis. Similar to, similar to, where am I? Similar to Metcalf's earlier designation as president, as permanent acting president pro temper, the office has remained vacant since 1989, and no senator other than Humphrey and Mitchell ha- has held it since its creation. Mitchell is the only person to have served as deputy president pro temper, who was neither a former president nor former vice president of the United States Senate. I mean. No, I mean of of United United States. The post is largely honorary and ceremonial, but comes with a with a salary increase. By statute, the compensation granted by to a position holder equals the rate of the annual compensation paid to the present pro temper majority leader and minority leader. And then present pro temper emitters. Since 2001, the honorary title of President Pro Temper Emeritus, who has been given to has been given to a senator of the minority party who has previously served as a who has previously served as a as President Pro Temper. The president position has been held by Storm Thurmond, a Republican of South Carolina, 2001 through 2003. Robert Byrd of Democrat West Virginia, 2003 through 2007. Ted Stevens, Republican Alaska, 2007 through 2009. Patrick Leahy, Democrat from Vermont, which I already mentioned, 2015 through 2021. And Chuck Grassley, Republican of Iowa, 2021 to present time. From 2019, from 2009 to 2015, no senator met the requirements for the position. The position was created with Thurmond when, when the Democratic Party regained a majority of the Senate in, in June 2001. With the change in party control, Democratic Democrat Robert Byrd of West Virginia replaced Thurmond of, as president pro temporary claiming a position he had previously held from 1989 to 1995, and briefly in January 2001. Thurman's retirement from the Senate on January 3, 2003, coincided with a change from Democratic to Republican control, making Stevens President Pro Tempore and Byrd the second President Pro Tempore Emeritus. So, let me see. In 2007, Byrd returned as president pro tempore, and Stevens became the third president pro tempore emeritus when the Democrats gained control of the Senate. Though, although a president pro tempore emeritus has no official duties, they entitled to increase his staff and advise party leaders on the functions of Senate. The officers 
accompanying budget increase was removed from, towards the end of the 113th Congress, shortly before Patrick Leahy was forced to become the first holder of the office in six years. Sally. The salary of the president's pro temporary for 2012 was $193,400, equal to that of the majority leaders and minor- minority leaders of both houses of Congress. If there is a vacancy in the office of vice president, then the salary would be, would be the same as that, that of the vice president. So now you have a deeper understanding of who is chosen as the president, president pro temper of the United States Senate and how the, the history has, cho- has formed for creation of this position within the United States Senate. And I'm going to talk about more, some of the more recent from uh, president pro tempers and the history of it and some more parts of it. So let's get to it. Okay, so according to Ballotpedia, the authority of the of the of the, of the present pro temper of the United States Senate was was established in 1789 by Article One, Section Three of the United States Constitution, which then United States Constitution Article One, Section Three says Senate shall choose their own their other officers and also a present pro temper in the absence of the vice president, or when he sh- shall exercise the office of the president of the United States. I think I already said this, before 1890, the Senate elected a president pro tempore on a temporary basis, chosen for the personal characteristics, popularity, and reliability, and only seven for a period of when the vice president should be, would be absent. But since 1890, has been traditional for Senate to select the, sen- the senior member of the majority party as president pro tempore. Since 1890, with a single exception, each president pro tempore has served until he retired, died, or the party lost its majority status. The president pro tempore designates other senators preside in his absence, generally members of the majority party. Duties. And this is our recording Ballotpedia, which is a great source for po- political parts of American politics. Though, although the position is in some ways equivalent to the Speaker of the House of Representatives, powers of the President pro tempore are far more limited. In the Senate, most power rests with the party leaders and individual senators. But as the President, as, but as the Chamber's Presiding officer, the president pro tempore is authorized to perform certain duties in the absence of the vice president, including ruling on points of order. Additional duties include appointment of various congressional officers, certain commissions, advisory boards, and committees, joint supervision of the congressional page school, serving as designated legal recipient of affairs reports to the Senate, including War Powers Act, reports under which he or she jointly with the Speaker may have the President call Congress back session. I think I already mentioned, oh, okay, and then I already mentioned that one, and then an ex-officio member 
member of affairs, boards, and commissions. And then the, another duty with it, uh, within for the present pro temper of the Senate is is uh with is being with the secretary and sergeant of at arms. The present pro temper maintains order in the Senate portions of the Capitol and Senate buildings. Unlike the vice president, the president pro temper is an elected member of Senate, unable to speak and vote on any issue. And then I feel ever so. Let's see here. And then according to the president, let's see. I think it was on the ussenate.gov page that I actually clicked on that you can find on senate.gov, just like the house.gov website, you can actually find some of the senators, committees, legislation records, art and history, which on when you go to offices and staff, you can click on vice president, president pro temper, secretary of the senate, sergeant arms, party secretaries, chaplain, committee, and of office staff pages. Now, I clicked on President Pro Temper just to give you a more understanding of the position. And then I forget what I, you know what, I forget. I think I clicked on Historic Overview. Maybe. I forget. But anyway, and then I got to a document, a PDF document that says Congressional Research Service. Informing the legislative debate since 1914. And then first it says, For President Pro Temper of Senate, History and Authority of the Office, updated September 16, 2015. Mm, let's see. Early in the, it says here on this PDF, Early in the nation's history, some presidents, presidents pro temper appointed senators to standing committees. While they no longer do so, election to the office is considered one of the highest honors bestowed by the Senate. And presidents pro temper are traditionally accorded to a somewhat larger staff salary and allowances for staff. Ninety, ninety different senators have served as president pro temper. Sixty-one senators served prior to 1900. 1900. When vice presidents routinely, routinely preside over chamber and presidents pro temper were elected to serve only for limited times when the vice president was absent or ill or the office was vacated. Frequently, several different presidents pro temper were chosen in single congressional service session on the basis of their personal characteristics, popularity, and reliability. The current, oh, this was 2015. In 2015, that the, the Congress had the United States Senate President Pro Temper was Senator Orrin G. Hatch, who, and I think it was 2016, he retired. I think it was 2016 or 17, he retired from the Senate, and then Mitt Romney uh, replaced him in a. In a and I believe there was a Congress U.S. Senate race to replace Orange G. Hatch. Because Orange G. Hatch was, had been the Senate for decades, just like Patrick Leahy and Dianne Feinstein and many of us. Since 1890, the President Pro Temper has customarily been the majority party senator with the longest continuous service. Twice, the Senate has also created an office of Deputy President Pro Temper to honor a 
colleague in office of permanent acting president pro tempore in the third instance for the same reason. Just like I mentioned earlier, in 2001, the Senate also created an office of president pro tempore emeritus. This report traces the constitution, constitutional origins and development of the office of president pro tempore of the Senate. Reviews its current role and authority and provides information on centers who have held this office and more recently created sub created subsidiary offices over the past two centuries. The role of the President Pro Tempore has evolved since John Langendon of New Hampshire first took the chair on April 6, 6 1789, and for in the absence of Vice President John Adams. Once only temporary standards for Vice President contemporary Contemporary persons pro temper now effectively serve as long, long as the party holds majority in the Senate. By virtue of the Secession Act in 1792, the president pro temper stood second in line in the line of presidential secession after the vice president for nearly a century. The Secession Act of 1886 moved the present pro tempore as a, as a successor to a present. Within the passage of, of the president, Presidential Secession Act of 1947, the president pro tempore was restored to line secession, this time following the vice president in the Speaker House. At one time, the president's, the president's pro tempore Appointed committee members and wielded considerable power within the Senate, but now they are more limited in the independent authority. Okay, so now I'm back on csrsports.congress.gov. PDF talking about the practice of present pro tempore being the center of longest with longest service. Who says here? <clears throat> Of the persons pro tempore who have served since 1945, only one has not been the most senior senator in his party, Senator Arthur Vandenberg of Michigan, who was the second-ranking Republican in the Senate at the time of his election in 1947. Prior to 1945, while the parties had, for the most part, tended to put forward men with long senatorial service as candidates for present pro tempore, there are some notable exceptions. Senator George H. Moses of New Hampshire ranked only 15th among Senate Republicans when he was elected President Pro Temper in 1925. And Senator Albert B. Cummins of Iowa ranked 12th when he was first chosen in 1919. And, however, in 1846, Senator David R. H. Atchison and Missouri was elected president pro tempore before he had completed half his first term as a senator. And Senator Will Willard Salisbury, Salisbury of Delaware was also still in his first term when the Senate elevated him to the post on December 14, 1916. Even, even during the 19th century, the Senate sometimes elected presidents pro tempore from among the longest seven members of the Senate, men like Senators William P. Fry of Maine, John J. Engels 
of Kansas, Alan, Alan G. Thurman of Ohio, and Henry B. Anthony of Rhode Island held significant seniority when it led to present pro temper. That tradition continued and evolved in the 20th century, with exceptions noted above. By the middle of the 20th century, with by the middle of the 20th century, the Senate routinely elected as its president pro temper for most senior senior most senior senator of majority party. Senator Storm Thurmond of South Carolina, I have already mentioned, but it's just repeating some information again. Is one of two senators in the post-war era to serve at least three non-consecutive terms as President Pro Tem or President Pro Temper. He first served from 1981 to 1987, and then was led to the beginning of the 104th Congress in 1995, following the interim election of Senator Robert C. Byrd of West Virginia. From the senior Democrat to serve at the start of the 107th Congress from 19, January 3rd, 2001 to January, January 20th, 2001. Senator Thurman was elect, again elected as President Pro Temper to serve beginning at noon on January, January 20th, 2001. And then the President Pro Temper during the 108th and 109th Congress was Congresses was Senator Ted Stevens of Alaska. He succeeded Senator Thurmond, who retired from the Senate at the end of the 107th Congress. Senator C. Stevens served as President Pro Tem Temper Emeritus in the 110th Congress. Though Senator Robert C. Byrd, the only senator in the modern era to serve non-consecutive non terms was the first elected president pro temper in 1989 and served until 1995. He served he again served from January 3rd 2001 to January 20th 2001. Senator Byrd was again elected president pro temper in 117th Congress on June 6th 2001, after James, Senator James Jeffords of Vermont left the Republican Party and became an independent and controlled Senate, Senate search to the Democrats. Senator, okay. Uh, let's see. Right Senator Byrd began his fourth non-consecutive term when he was elected President Pro Tem by his co colleagues on January 4th, 2007, at the beginning of 110th Congress. Senator Byrd died while serving as President Pro Temper and was, elect, was replaced by Senate, Hawaii Senator Daniel K. Annual. Well, upon the death of Senator Annual, Senator Patrick J. Leahy assumed for office. When, when Republicans became the majority party in the Senate in, in the 114th Congress, Senator G. Orrin G. Hatch was elected President Pro Temp. Okay, so we're talking about the history of a salary of how much you get paid as President Pro Temper. I know I talked about this earlier, but it's understand how much paid. If you looked up the salaries of United States Senator and the House of Represent, Represent uh, United States House 
representative, you'd be amazed by how much money they make and how much they actually, I mean, they still do a lot for our government, but you'd be surprised by how much they make. And you can look up on, like, the Senate or, or the House.gov websites or Congress.gov, I believe. For Sally, it says, In 1816, Congress for the first time accorded the President Pro Temper a larger salary than that allowed, allotted to other senators, but only when the office of Vice President was vacant. In 1818, the law was amended so that the President Pro Temper would receive additional compensation for each day he presided over Senate, whether the office of Vice President was vacant or the vice president was absent. In 1845, and again in 1854, when the office of the vice president was vacant, the Senate in each case adopted a resolution authorizing the compensation for the present pro temper that was equal to that established by law for the vice president or the VP. The practice of compensating presidents President pro temper the same way as as the vice president when the vice presidency is vacant was confirmed in law on August August 16, 1856. In 1969, the salary of the president pro temper was fixed at the same level as that of a majority majority and minority minority leaders of both houses of Congress. When a vacancy assists in the office of vice president, the president pro temper receives the salary provided by vice president. Okay, and then we'll get into the power, authority, and responsibilities of president pro temper. And this looks like a more in-depth report or details of what the president pro temper has relating to the powers and authorities and, and etc. So it says, for President Pro Tempore, that's the, that's the informal institutional and political powers of Speaker of the House, the congressional office to, officer to whom he is often compared. Nor does he have authority of major, major party leaders in the Senate, especially majority and minority leaders. Nevertheless, the Constitution, public law, the Chamber's rules and procedures and the Senate customs provide the President pro tempore a significant role in the, Senate, in the life of the Senate. Ah, uh, so let's see. From about 10 years from late 1823 to late 1833, Presidents pro tempore enjoy the privilege of appointing by membership of Senate's Standing committees in at the beginning of a session. Several times during that during the late later years of this period, the rule was partially suspended so that the Senate could elect the President Pro Temper to a chairmanship. The President Pro Temper also evidently appointed senators to committees in 1838, 1843, and 1863. Okay. In the modern Senate, with the exception of uh, of his authority to appoint other senators to preside, the president pro tempore 
powers as presiding officer differ a little from those of a vice president or any other senator who presides over Senate. These powers include the authority to, number one, recognize senators desiring to speak, introduce bills, or offer amendments, and motions to bills being debated. The presiding officer's power of recognition is much more limited than that of the House Speaker or whoever presides in the House. In the Senate, the presiding officer is required by Rule X, X1, X to recognize the first senator standing and seek a recognition. By precedent, for party four leaders and committee managers are given priority in recognition. Number two, the, the present pro temper decides points of order subject to appeal by the fourth Senate. Number three, they appoints appoint senators to House Senate House Senate conference committees. Although this function is essentially ministerial, conferees are almost always first determined by the chairman and make a member of a standing committee with jurisdiction over measure and consultation with the party leaders. A list of recommended appointments is then provided to the chair. And then number number four, they enforce decorum. And then number five, they administer oaths. And then number six, they appoint members to special committees again after majority and minority leaders make initial determinations. Uh, let's see. So I guess for some other duties and responsibilities, the person pro temper is responsible for recommending candidates for U.S. Comptroller General, the head of a government accountability office. Following for recommendation of Senate majority minority leaders, he appoints members of the Senate to U.S. delegation to parliamentary. Assembly Conference on Security and Cooperation in Europe. Uh, let's see. Let's see. If a president pro temper is a member of certain commissions, boards, and committees, including the Senate Commission on Art, the U.S. Capital Preserve- Preservation Commission, Co- Commission to Recommend Candidates for Architect. For, or the designer of a capital and the Congressional Joint Leadership Group. Also, the President Pro Temper works with Secretary of Senate and Sergeant Arms of Senate to ensure enforcement of rules governing the use of a capital in the Senate office buildings. The, for many years, the President Pro Temper held the pe- patronage book, as it was called, and had considerable influence in the distribution of patronage for positions that today are filled by professional staff. Trying Trying to see what else is in here.
Okay, so the president's pro temper of Senate from 1789 to 2015. Let's see. Let's see what most recent ones are. Let's look in. Okay, so. So, Orangey Hatch was from. But those, those reports from 2015. So, Orangey Hatch served. A Republican served from. from a Republican senator from Utah in the 114th Congress. He served from January 6, 2015, was when he started his tenure as as uh, president pro tempore of Senate. And before that, it was Patrick Leahy, who was who served from from December 17, 2012, to the 113th Congress to the beginning of the 114th Congress. And Patrick Leahy, as you know, was is the main focus of this podcast episode because I want to explain to you the main focus of why him leaving his position, not his position, but him leaving Congress will remark or leave a mark on who will become the next if Democrats keep the majority in the Senate. Uh who will be who could become the next who what dem which Democrat could become the next uh, president pro temper if the Democrats keep majority in the Senate after the 2022 midterms? And it's important to understand the, the whole role of the president pro temper that Patrick Lee, Senator Lee, Patrick Leahy of Vermont holds right now, and it's understand the history behind it because. If you don't, then you really don't understand what he does, what other people like Orangey Hatch, of a former United States senator from Utah, and others way back to the day of seven. I think it's let's see. Uh, all the way back to seventeen eighty nine to two thousand fifteen, and up to twenty twenty one. Have served and have really understand what they what they have done for our country and the United States Senate because they're in line of secession way like after uh, I think it's let's see. So I think for in the power in the in the power of in I think for in the presidential line or secession after the Speaker House. I think it's so corner let's see. So according to the let's see. Hmm. 
No, I don't even want to come on her. So, it's going to, I just found, I just googled presidential line succession, and there's many things, like, from when Trump was in line, was present to now, they have a picture on YouTube that you can click on, and it talks about how it's, so, in the line of presidential succession to present, it's the vice president, the speaker of the house, followed by the speaker of the house, and then it's the president pro temper of a senate, and then, Secretary of State, Secretary of the Treasury, Secretary of Defense, Attorney General, Secretary of the Interior, Secretary of Agriculture, Secretary of Commerce, Secretary of Labor, Secretary of Health and Human Services, and then the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Secretary of Transportation, Secretary of Energy, then the Secretary of Education, and then the Secretary of Veterans Affairs, and then the Secretary of Homeland Security. But that is the most recent one. And so, I think, so right now, it's Joe Biden is the President, Kamala Harris is the Vice President, Nancy Pelosi is Speaker of the House, Patrick Leahy is the current President pro tempore of the Senate, and then fall. After Patrick Leahy and the presidential line of succession, it's Anthony Lincoln, the Secretary of State, and then the Secretary of, of the, of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, is next in the, in the she's fifth in the line of succession. And then Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, is after Janet Yellen. And then Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, is after. Merrick Garland is number seven in the presidential line of succession, followed by Deb Haaland, the secretary in the interior, and then Tom Fursack, the secretary of agriculture, is number nine in the presidential line of succession. Then Gina Ramadindio, the secretary of commerce, is next, followed by the former former Boston Mayor Marty Walsh, who's number 11, and it's Xavier Brasero, Brasero, he's number 12, followed by number 13 in a presidential line succession, I believe, uh, Marcia Fudge, and I think maybe, and then I think, I think, let me see. And then they're probably missing transportation, Secretary of Energy, Education, Veterans Affairs, and Secretary of Homeland Security. But that is the current one, I believe. So if you, this is just an, this episode is based on the, on the political and CNN video about Patrick Leahy and him as the president pro temper not seeking re-election for a ninth term in the United States Senate. So I believe the article mentioned that he first, that he first, uh, he first see, he first wanted to hold office in the United States. He ran for the United States Senate in nineteen. Let's see, nineteen. Nineteen seventy-four, after serving as Chittenden County State Attorney.
and he he's Lee, Lee Patrick Lee he's since Patrick Lee he's tenure spanned eight presidents and leaves him as for now the only Democrat ever elected to to rescind from Vermont. And he's eighty one, so that's just crazy to think about that he's eighty one. He he first went into a Senate at age I think it was eighty no, yeah. Just while the veteran let's see. Eight Leahy eighty one announced Monday that he would not run for ninth term at the state capital Montepillo, the same location where he announced his first Senate run at age thirty three in nineteen seventy four. So this episode is just to show you that he's not one of the most senior Democrats in the United States Senate is not going to be running for Congress again because he's feel like he needs to retire and put down the gavel and he feels like he needs to have a good rest of his life. So that's, a, I mean, I totally agree with him that he needs to put down the gavel and if I were him, I would have retired long ago, but that's just me. So this has been a good episode of American Political Paradise. I hope to hope that you listen to my next episode very soon. And for now, adios, and have a good day. Thank you.